This is the Love Sport Podcast, Monday Reaction Podcast. This is Paul, your host. You can get me at Paul underscore football on Twitter. You can get us at the Love Sport Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. And also you can join our community on our Love Sport Podcast group. This is, was, and always will be the Love Sport Podcast. Season in defence, the former pie. Dangerous spot, Stahl. Oh, Taylor Stahl, what a grab. So round 11 of AFLW is complete, and we saw Gold Coast 2-4-16 get absolutely trounced by the Brisbane Lions, 12-13-85. Just put it into context, obviously with the AFLW, they're playing quarters that are a lot less uh, in, time, in terms of time. Um, so that's 25 shots to six, and... Brisbane have been in, obviously, for a couple more. I keep saying, obviously. They've been in for a couple more years in the Gold Coast. They're a really seasoned, very good football team. But that is an absolute shellacking. Um, the Bulldogs took on the Cats, uh, 3-10-28 to 2-4-16. And a lot of those shots were kind of symbolic of the round when we go through it. So the Cats are getting better and better. So that's fantastic. But in saying that, uh, the Dogs really always had control of that game. Uh, GWS Giants, five points to the Crows, 5-15-45. So a 40-point win and literally could have been 10 to 12 goals there. And it's a bit of a pattern as we see throughout this round again. Carlton, 7-6-48, defeated a St Kilda team that started the season pretty well and really have run out of legs. And West Coast, 7-3-45, Generally a winning score there, but uh, my Tigers, 10-8-68. Um, and uh, the Bulldogs and Gold Coast have uh, got another game that's been postponed. A number, number of games at the moment have been postponed. So it's been a, been a really good season for the veteran teams. And we've seen the Crows there uh, on top of the ladder. Six wins, one loss. Frio, you could say surprise packets. They're really playing well. Got a lot of Western Australian youth there. They're six and one, and North uh, six and one. Melbourne at the moment a game less, five and one with Brisbane five and one. The most competitive uh, season of AFLW. The skills are getting better and better. Um, you know, obviously we say St Kilda the only team who haven't won. Uh, a game this year, but they really did start the season a lot better. So we've got 14 teams at the moment with more teams coming in. And uh, the major concern, and we've all said it before, is the amount of injuries. Now, we've also got players who are uh, pulling out of the competition for you know uh, life choices in terms of their career and different things like that. I think they're going in the right direction with the AFLW, but there's already 14 teams in, um, and you've got to remember that you've got to have 20-odd players um, to 30 players in a squad. So that's a lot of um, talent uh, around the country being spread quite thin. But really competitive up the top end of the ladder, and even you know Collingwood on four and three, and then the Dogs three and three, and Gold Coast, who've lost a couple of big games, are still three and three. So it's been a really competitive season. The main concern being the amounts of injuries, and some of them 
quite frankly, a career-ending injuries there as well with, um, you know, a number of ACLs. Now, you know, I'm no doctor and I won't pretend to be, but the hard grounds certainly have to be one of the reasons for ACLs. And that's why in the men's game, we quite often see ACLs in pre-season because of the harder grounds. You've also got to factor in that they're not um, having as many training sessions. They are not getting the basis of fitness up for AFL because fitness is one thing, but we all know that there are specific sport-related fitnesses. And the AFL with the hard grounds, they're not getting as much pre-season for the AFLW. They are playing on harder grounds. I do think if we're really looking at this going forward, we have to look at double headers. We have to look at the women's season um, moving into the winter months. Um, I can't see any other solution other than we are going to crucify, for lack of better term, some of these girls' futures. The hard grounds are just too much. For this style of football, the hard tackling, the quick turning, it's just not good enough. And I want to see that the women's game really progress. And to do so, they need to play more games. Um, In terms of parity of money and so forth, I don't think it'll ever be quite parity, but to get closer in terms of the gap there, then the men's and women's programs, the double headers will certainly help in that regard. I think it's fantastic. I'm a massive supporter of sport and a massive supporter of women's sport. I've really been impressed by the, the, the skills have gone up like you wouldn't believe. If you even compared this to two years ago, the clean hands, the marking, the getting the ball forward, the marking on the lead, the kicking, the length of kicks that these uh, the women's teams are getting as well. It's an absolute credit to the training. It's a credit to the women's professionalism when they're having children. They've got careers. They're not training full-time. So please don't see this as a negative on the AFLW. See it as more of a what the AFL as an organisation really need to do, and it has to be double-headers, it has to be winter football, I won't hear anything different. But keep going, and look, who knows who's going to win this one? We've got, you know, what, three, four states represented there who really have a red-hot chance. We've got Adelaide, Fremantle, North Melbourne, Melbourne, Brisbane. They're probably the, the, the only five I could really see winning it. But what a competition it's becoming. So we all, a lot of us love dessert, right? I'm going to say all of us love dessert. But if you went to a dessert bar and you could only eat the sweet food there, you're just going to get sick of it, right? You're eventually just going to say, I want no more of this sweet food. That, to me, is what cricket is at the moment. We had a fantastic Ashes series. We then had whatever way you want to call it and whatever side you want to be on, absolute debacle with the way the Justin Langer um, resignation, for lack of a better term, was handled. But the 50-over games and the T20 games, it just shows, you know, you're not even playing the best teams there. The crowds have been horrendous, 12, 13,000, 7,000. In a time where people are craving live sport, these are really bad times for Australian cricket in terms of the shorter formats of the game. 
you know, only a few years ago, less than a decade ago, the shorter forms, the T20, the big bash, um, was seen as the saviour of Australian cricket. It could now almost be seen as the chains on, on cricket because the traditional format, um, the test series, was so, so good for Australia in terms of retaining the Ashes. Very good crowds, day-night cricket, the pink ball. Too much Big Bash. And in the 50-over game, you know, is it gone? Well, it's really struggling in terms of crowds all over the world. And certainly from an Australian um, flavour, no one's turning up. So I think that says everything. You can bring COVID factors into it, but without COVID, I still think we'd be struggling to get the crowds. Um, we're not playing our best teams e- either. If you go and have a look at the test team and then compare that to the T20 teams, I know they're different formats and the 50 over teams. I don't think we're seeing the best players play the format. So, you know, you've got competing, you've, you've got the A-League. Um, I'm not going to even, comp- I'm just saying the things that are on at the moment. You've got the A-League, you've got the NBL, we had the tennis. We've got all these different things happening. Um, and with cricket, it has been such a long summer in so many ways. I think there's the, I think it's fatigue. And the shorter formats of the game, in particular, um, are struggling in Australia. And play the best teams, I think, or play the best players in the teams, I think you would get the crowds back. But it's got to be a major uh, concern for Cricket Australia because these were the, the golden eggs. And if we look at the IPL where the best players from all over the world are playing. The best players from the, uh, all over the world are not playing Big Bash. The best players from the world are getting massive contracts and they're playing in the Indian Premier League. So in some ways, what I said before about the format of the game is still one that is really well followed. And a lot of people watch the IPL where they can on different pay TV um, providers and so forth. So there is an appetite that needs to be done correctly. And we need to have the best players playing the 50-over format, and we need to have the best players around the world playing the T20 format as well. Shorten it, pay more to get the best people there, I'll guarantee you'll get the crowds back. In terms of uh, Australian cricket, I just think the whole Justin Langer thing has still really left a sour taste. I cannot understand at a time when the Australian team, Pat Cummings, etc., and his captaincy in the Ashes was at a high that it hasn't been at for so many years, right? I think everyone who watched the Ashes and follows cricket was so super excited from an Australian perspective. And then within such a short period of time, that has really, um, it's almost like it's been negated. And the Ashes series, as successful as it was, it's a sour taste in all of people's mouths. I'd love to hear what you'd say. If you want to get on Love Sport on Facebook or Twitter, or if you want to speak to me at Paul underscore football about it, happy to debate it um, politely with you. But I think that Cricket Australia has really um, nicked off here and gone out for a couple of runs. Okay, so the A-League, and I will preface this by saying I'm a Brisbane Raw member. I'll preface this by saying I have been a member since season one of the Brisbane Raw, and I do want a local competition to follow. But to deny that it is in massive, massive problems right now would be ridiculous. There's been some good football play this year, and over the weekend we saw some of the best A-League goals that has happened in many years. But once again, like I spoke about cricket earlier, the 
people putting their money where their mouth is, people putting their kids and their own bums on seats are saying, look, right now this is not working because the crowds are absolutely horrendous. But look, let's have a look at some of the uh, let's let's have a look at some of the positives. Some players who've played uh, in the A League obviously have gone um, to overseas at different periods of time and had varying levels of success. So if you see the A League as a uh, precursor to be able to go overseas, you certainly can do that. But let's have a look. Wellington Phoenix one all with Sydney FC. Um, really good game there um, for a one all result and really got to be pretty proud of the Wellington Phoenix. They have had to travel for the last couple of years non-stop, like a lot of the New Zealand teams playing the Australian competition. MacArthur thumped a really disappointing Adelaide United. I think Adelaide United, um, when I look at some of the young talent there, has got some of the best young talent in, in Australian football, um, and they're just not putting it together right now. Melbourne victory, 1-0. Um, late win over Central Coast Mariners, who are um, just one of those teams, you know, they, they each year don't seem to have the money, don't seem to have the recruits and, and still fight. So they actually put up a really good performance there. Perth Gorey beat a disappointing Brisbane Raw who are playing nice football. They're getting, um, they're getting their opportunities, but they couldn't score uh, in a brothel with a fistful of 50s, as my old man might have said before. Western United, 3-2. Uh, really good game over Western Sydney Wanderers and a couple of fantastic goals there, so worth having a look. And we've got Melbourne City taking on Central Coast Mariners on Tuesday night. The crowds are an absolute concern, um, and we've been saying that for an, a, a while now. If you say that as a... Um, uh, if you say it, you're almost seen to be a hater of Australian football. I'm not sure why we're not allowed to be honest about it. Um, the, the crowds, whether it's the timing, the, the delays in games, which I know from a Brisbane Raw perspective, we've had um, a number of games already postponed. You're losing momentum in a time where cricket was uh, the premier um, in the premier position. But you only have to look at a competition like AFLW that's getting really good crowds, and you've got to wonder what's going wrong. The A-League has reduced their prices uh, for the next few games, I believe, to you know a maximum of $20. If I'm wrong there, I'm wrong, because I'm a member, so I don't pay those. Um, so they're trying to do things like that, but right now it just doesn't seem to have a presence um, with the crowds. It doesn't have a presence with TV ratings. I mean, if it wasn't for Melbourne victory at times, this competition, and I do say that as not a victory fan, just they have got a really big base of support that is always there. And then obviously you've got Sydney FC, uh, Adelaide don't get bad crowds and Brisbane Raw don't get bad crowds for a team playing, you know, nowhere near Brisbane in a lot of ways now. Um, but the competition is in real trouble. I think we've gone to an NSL model in some ways where there's too many teams in, in Victoria, too many teams in Sydney. But in saying that, if we do try and promote another team in Perth or another team in Brisbane or another team in Adelaide, would they even work? Um, obviously, a failed experiment with Gold Coast United many years ago. Um, whether they were um, the graveyard of Gold Coast sport with so many teams that seemed to fail there, uh, or whether it was bad management at the time with Clive Palmer in charge, um, 
interesting story that Sean and I have told on this podcast before. We used to report on a lot of the games uh, for radio and so forth, and um, we went to a Gold Coast United game many years ago against Adelaide where they said the crowd was about 2,500. I reckon the crowd was probably about 300. And we had people approach us, Sean and I are not small men, and um, we were asked if we would be stretcher bearers for the game, and we were reporting. So I think that really says it all. Do I want the A-League to work? Absolutely spot on. Is it working? No. Uh, the example is that my kids would go to all sport with me, and the one sport that they won't come to now, and they've got memberships, they just do not want to be at the A-League. They tell me it's boring. That says a lot. Major ramifications in the EPL at both ends of the ladder over the weekend. We saw West Ham draw with a really valiant Newcastle who deserved at least a point there. Uh, Arsenal 2-1 over Brentford, but Arsenal playing some really beautiful football and making their challenge for a European spot. Brighton were absolutely torn apart by Burnley, 3-0. for Burnley away. Their fans were really loud as well. Liverpool really showed their class as they beat Norwich 3-1 and a couple spectacular goals there, so please watch the highlights of that game. Southampton beating an extremely disappointing Everton. I mean, there's no way on God's earth looking at their squad and looking at what's happened in recent years what I believe Everton is going this bad. Watford with a fantastic win away against Aston Villa. My team, Aston Villa, were horrendous and Watford got the deserved win. Um, another VAR controversy in a game, but I'll leave it at that. Chelsea left it as late as you could ever leave it to beat a gallant Crystal Palace, and Crystal Palace were very much um, worth their weight in gold. And the game of the round, Man City, Tottenham. Oh, that is an absolute ripper. I, I do recommend, don't watch the highlights. I recommend you either watch the full version or... If you've got the if you've got the Optus uh, app or, or uh, ability, watch the twenty four minute like the mini match. It is a really yo yo game there with an extremely late winner. So Tottenham, uh, you know, opening up their chances of European qualification and also um, bringing Man City back down to earth and, and opening up the door for Liverpool there as well. Um, Leeds four two loss to Man United. Leeds playing some nice football, but Man United just ripped them apart. Both teams showing their um, so suspect down back, um, but a bad loss for Leeds, and they really have conceded a number of goals. Wolves with a good 2-1 win over Leicester City as well to um, end out that part of the round. Um, and then we've got Burnley playing Tottenham on a Thursday morning. We've got Watford taking on Crystal Palace and then uh, Liverpool taking on Leeds. On Friday, we have Arsenal taking on Wolves, and we go into the next lot of rounds. 
Um, some beautiful goals over the weekend. So even if you only watch some of the goals, I think you're going to be mighty impressed with those. There's a couple that will be contenders for goal of the season. So um, that is a really good uh, part of that as well. But, you know, I, I said it a lot, not long ago. I said this this title race is over. Um, and, and the boys laughed at me because Man City looked like they were running away with it. Liverpool have won five on the trot now. They are six points behind. Um, with a really close goal difference, but they have a game in hand. Now, game in hand doesn't guarantee you the the points, but they could close the gap to three points with almost the same goal difference. Um, We've then got Chelsea on 50 points. They have a game in hand, but looks like a two-horse race, obviously. Man United in fourth. They've played 26 games. West Ham uh, in fifth on 42 points. But then we've got teams like Arsenal and Tottenham who've only played 23 games each and Wolves right up in contention as well. So Tottenham is um, at the moment seven points off um, a guaranteed the guaranteed Champions League spot. They have three games in hand and Arsenal um, are four points off Man U in fourth and they have three games in hand as well. So even if they got three draws, they'd only be one point off United. So the, the battle for... Um, the European spots is right up there. So um, that is, you know, still everything to play for there. Look at the bottom of the ladder. Norwich on 17 points. A lot of people didn't even think they'd get the 17 points. Burnley uh, on 17 points, but they've only played 22 games. Then we've got Watford on 18 points. Newcastle and Everton uh, both on 22. Everton have a game in hand there. Uh, they are still... Um, in the relegation issues because with Burnley having two games in hand, they haven't got the points yet, but if they do get some points, they can drag even Leeds United who have played 24 games and are on 23 points there. So it is tight down the bottom. I think Newcastle have got a couple recent results that um, have given them some breathing space, but no one is out of this because Norwich... Um, uh, extremely competitive and many, many people thought that they would um, not have any chance. They would go down with some of the lowest points that have seen. Dean Smith, former gaffer of uh, Villa, has done a um, really good job there as well. But let's let's face it, the title race is a two-horse race. The spots for Europe are right up there and then we've got the uh, the battle down the bottom says so a lot of interest are there and that's why the Premier League is seen as one of the great competitions in the world just because of the amount of teams that are uh, up there in both ends of the table and I love as many of us do the fact that the final round is played at the same time the drama that that's created over the years has been absolutely amazing and it would not surprise you if it is the same thing again so whoever you follow in the Premier League um, if you do follow someone in the Premier League uh, there's plenty of interest in what's going to happen post-season with signings. You know, is Ronaldo going to stay at United? Will he play another season? Well, he is scoring a fair few goals. And, and <laughs> I don't think anyone would complain having uh, Ronaldo in their team, even though he's getting on there a bit. So if you follow the lower-level teams, uh, let us know um, on Love Sport, on Facebook, Twitter, uh, and so forth. And um, we'd love to hear why you follow those teams down the table. And some of them might have been Premier League teams not long ago. And just the history of how you got there. If we look at the championship right now, uh, Fulham are on 64 points. Um, We've got Bournemouth in second in the second automatic position on 58. And... um, 
they've got a game in hand, so they can they can close the gap there. They're four points clear of Blackburn Rovers on 54, with QPR and Huddersfield on 53. So the battle for those playoff spots is right there, and there's still um, quite a big battle for even who will win the championship there. Uh, but it's just, you know, interesting. Huddersfield on 53. Could they make it? Who knows? But there's more to football than just the top tiers. And I think England does that really well. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm a massive fan of American sport, as is our co-host, John. Love my baseball, love my NFL, love my basketball. I'm a long-suffering Knicks and Dolphins and Mets fan. The NBA is something I absolutely love watching, especially when it comes to the final series and so, and, and, you know, so forth. The NBA All-Star Weekend, I just found as boring as it's ever been, like... The three-point contest was okay. I was really looking forward to that, to be honest. I thought that was going to be the the premiere. The dunk contest was... I'm just going to say, I think it was the worst dunk contest I've ever seen in the NBA. I thought the the level of dunks compared to what we've seen in the past, it's it's either we've stretched the human limits so far or in terms of imagination and athleticism or both. Because some of the dunks, I mean, not that I could pull any of them off, were as boring as hell. So the NBA All-Star Games has finished, and I suppose the highlight of that was Steph Curry putting on a masterclass. But whether, I don't know, it just was a really non-eventful weekend, one that I've always looked forward to, the three-point contest, the dunks. I did like the kind of emerging stars, um, All-Stars game, and we had uh, Australian representation there with Giddy. Um, what a player he is. And he is proving that you can go from NBL to NBA. Um, and we've had a number of players who have come to NBL as young um, Americans who've come here and gone back and playing really well in the NBA. So the NBL has got a great reputation and I think we're going to see a lot more younger stars from overseas come over and play. And that can only bode well. But the NBA weekend, I'd, li- I'd like to uh, hear your point of view at Love Sport on that, uh, Twitter, Facebook, or our Facebook group, or get me at Paul underscore football, because I was completely underwhelmed. Thanks for listening to our weekend wrap of the Love Sport podcast. I was Paul, your host. Get me at Paul underscore football on Twitter. You can also get us on the Love Sport podcast on Facebook and Twitter and join our Facebook group as well. Just send the invite in. We'll accept it as well. So if you ever want to be part of it, uh, even want to co-host, give us a yell and we'll see what we can do about getting you on. This is, was and always will be the Love Sport Podcast.